You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Shot scores! Matthews snaps it in! Leafs are within two! Giordano, far side, scores! Holy Mackinac! The Leafs have found a way! I don't know how that worked, but it did! Matthews gets a tip, and it is 4-3! To Morgan Riley, shot from the point, scores! He scores! Back it comes to Giordano. Giordano shot. Scores! Scores! Mark Giordano scoring! The pass off the wing and the shot from the blue line was deflected right at the goal. But the Leafs win it in overtime. You know, we all know that in this room that uh, the job's not close to finished. Um, you know, we got to refocus, enjoy this one. But obviously, uh, the fourth one is the hardest one to win. So. Leafs Nation. It was 4-1, baby, and they came all the way back versus the Tampa Bay Lightning last night to win it in overtime. The reverse collapse, the anti-Leaf Leaf win, and they get her done to win two in overtime in Tampa. Welcome in Leafs Lunch with Julie Tashari and Mike DiStefano. Darren Dreger will join us in about 20 minutes. Chris Versteeg, rather, and Cheryl Pounder a little bit later in the show. But holy moly, AB, the Leafs up 3-1 on the reigning well, they're not reigning champions anymore, but the guys that went to the Stanley Cup the past three years, the Leafs got them at 3-1 right now, coming home to Toronto on Thursday. They got them, and just like Austin Matthews said, which I like, you know, job's not done. The hardest one to win is the fourth one because they've had ample opportunity to win that fourth game and have not been able to do so. They've gone 10 straight, 10 straight chances to win a fourth game in a series and have not been able to bury the team, and... This is an opportunity for them to have three cracks at it, but try and get this thing wrapped up as quick as possible because at some point you, you just know that, or you, we think that Andre Vasilevsky is gonna is gonna come alive. I mean, what, what that guy? It's so bizarre the the low level of goaltending that he's been giving us is is kind of like we're just not expecting it. Like I, I don't even know what to say. The fact that the Leafs have 19 goals through four games, but one thing is for certain. Austin Matthews arrived in this series. Welcome to the party, 34. Austin Matthews finally had that game where he said, hop on my back, boys, we're not losing this one, and had that kind of playoff-defining moments that we've kind of been waiting for, right? We came into the series and we spoke about this ahead of game one. I remember we were sitting up in the gondola uh, doing doing Leafs lunch in the, in the press room and thinking to ourselves, you know, Austin Matthews has yet to have that, you know, solid playoff performance that McDavid's had. That uh, that dry sidles had McCarr, McKinnon. You know he's in that mix of those best players, but he had yet to have that series-defining, playoff-defining moment. I think last night was just that for Austin Matthews. Yeah, it, it'll definitely be a part of the story if they pull this thing off. Ab, I feel really comfortable calling that Austin Matthews' most important game as a Leaf, the most impactful game as a Leaf, because to your point, we've all been kind of waiting. He belongs in that echelon. Or, or we believe he does with Connor McDavid, with 
Nate McKinnon with with Kale McCarr with that echelon to player, but he didn't have the same with Connor McDavid, who had that great uh, deep run last year with the Edmonton Oilers. He didn't have that on his resume. And you know what? He still doesn't. Not yet, at least. But that win will definitely be a part of a signature playoff performance package if they pull this off. I mean, yeah, I I think pulling it off is definitely, I guess, a qualifier when it comes to that because there is still one more to go. Right. Job's the, not done, and I love that he said that. He looks like a gamer done. right now. He's right? dialed in. He's not smiling in interviews. He's not smiling in post games. Well, they've been he there before. He didn't even smile after after he he got those couple goals. <laughs> like he's he's in game mode right now. I I don't know if I've seen this this kind of kill mode from the Leafs yet. I didn't say killer instinct because because there's no way of saying that until they bag game four. So I'll but say we've this. seen shades of it for sure. I'll say this, Julia. I, I will say this. There's a little checklist that I think the Maple Leafs are kind of of checking off game by game, right? For, yeah, for I love in this. Here. And this is kind of the exercising the playoff demons checklist, okay? So for me, here, here's what I have, and here's what they've checked off so far, okay? The goaltender steals a game that they deserve to lose. And, and when you look at, at it, this checklist is very reminiscent because they've been on the other side of all of these things, and now they're finally the team that's doing it, right? So game three, Samsonov went into Tampa Bay, stole that game. He was unbelievable, right? And yep. they ended up winning that game, and he was the sole reason why. And they come away with the victory. Check. Leafs actually gaining some real respect from John Cooper post game. This guy has done everything to not credit the Leafs in the last two years come playoff round until afterwards, right? Respect in the handshake line, but where was the respect post game? Well, we finally got that respect post game last night. I, I want to hear it because I can't believe that these words came out of John Cooper's mouth. Uh, you, uh, you put four on the board. Uh, that should be a win. We didn't. So in the end, you got to defend and you got to keep the puck out of your net. And we didn't do it enough. And uh, again, credit to the Leafs. Credit to the Leafs. He's never given credit to the Leafs. He just hasn't done that over the course of the last couple of years. So finally getting that respect, not in the handshake line, but actual performances in which the Maple Leafs deserve it. Not for the 50 minutes that they played prior to that final 10, yeah. but to stick with it to finally get it done and, and put pucks past Vasilevsky and win in overtime. Quick note on that um, on that quote, just, yeah. just while it's fresh in our minds. Was that a shot at Vasilevsky in this play thus far? I don't think so. No? It'd be stupid for him to take shots at Vasilevsky. Yeah, I don't like, think so. Like, I don't think so. I'm asking because there was a lot made of it online, him saying yeah. that. I think it's the whole team. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, I mean, here's the thing. The first 50 minutes of that hockey game... They're playing extremely stingy defense. Like Toronto had a really tough time getting it through the neutral zone and just establishing entering the zone. Like you can yeah. see the difference in in like if you look online at, at the stats, they, they were not entering the zone cleanly the first two periods. No, and I don't. I, and we'll talk about this with Cheryl or, or with a former player because I really want to understand how that happens more because everything changes for the Leafs, especially versus this Tampa team when they're en- able to enter cleanly at the blue line 100%. in the zone. And it's it's. I can't decide if that changed when the Leafs turned it on or when Tampa kind of took their foot off the gas with their forecheck at the blue line because that seemed to be the difference in the first period, but I'm sure it's a little bit of both. It, it is It is definitely a major factor, though, when they enter that zone clean. Everything is different about the Leafs yeah. when Austin or Mitch has the swagger to carry it in the zone. I think a big part of it, like you look at the way things kind of change. I think you look at they were opportunistic. Like they waited until they had a chance to maybe catch – you know, Tampa Bay sleeping, right? Like, they play great throughout the first 50 minutes. And then you look at the the 4-2 goal in particular, and, and T.J. Brody has an opportunity to either 
regroup and, and everybody can kind of come back and reset. But instead, he notices, okay, I can catch him sleeping here. Zips the puck up to Nylander, and all of a sudden, they got an odd man rush, three-on-two rush chance. The puck ends up on the stick of Austin Matthews, and it's 3-2, right? They did not have many odd man rushes last night. They did not get to break into the zone with that much speed and with that much space last night. Yeah. And that's kind of what kick-started everything, was that 4-2 goal. It gave them belief, like, oh, maybe we can do this here, right? And they finally got it done. It was a pretty done. one, too, eh? Oh, it was a great shot. And to great that shot. point in the game, like, Austin had been not bad, but quiet. Mitch had been eh, probably a little bit closer to the bad side. And William Nylander was, like, Terrible. in the streets. Honestly, plastered to the bench. We'll go through and read because we gave you all the opportunity to call yourselves out. Make sure to tune in to chime into this. You can text us 105050 or tweet us at Leafs Lunch 1050. We asked if there's anything you'd like a mulligan on, anything you'd like to take back that you said in the first or second or first 10 minutes of the third period last night. Some, some good responses there. Already. But to go back to my checklist, all this is kind right. of encompassing, yeah. right? And exercising those playoff demons. Like just winning games that they're not supposed to. They, mm. they never really won those games that they weren't supposed to. Right? Like that just has not really happened in the past. Winning games in overtime has been a big Achilles heel for this team the last few seasons. You know, last year, game six, they were unable to close and finish out that game in Tampa Bay. Think back to game six also in, in uh, Montreal the season prior, right? Unable to close, up 3 2, a chance to, to put them away. And they play phenomenally in that overtime. I think the shots were 13-1 to in that OT in Game 6 against Montreal. But that one shot found a way through the back of the net. And Montreal able to force Game 7. And we know what happened there. That's backbreaking. So, so that... It is. You know, remember how backbreaking that felt for the Leafs? When they were better, but they were not winning those games in Montreal. They were up 3-1. And every time they had another crack to end it, it just got more... It felt more and more and more like a mountain. Yeah. Like, the, the other way to frame this... God, imagine how Tampa's feeling right now. Yeah. They have been the better team in probably three of these games. Imagine how defeating that feeling is. Yeah, I You test, don't have to imagine because we've been there. <laughs> I test Tampa should be up 3-1, but they're not, right? This is why you play we've the games. We've always been cronies. Right? This is why you play the games, right? <laughs> they're, they're not up 3-1, and it's the Maple Leafs that are up 3-1. And it's due to a couple of come-from-behind victories on the road. Like, when have they yeah. gone out there and had statement road wins in the past, right? Like last year, there, there wasn't many statement road wins. But the come-from-behind aspect of that, we really haven't seen. You know, Game 3 was, was, was great, right? Coming back, just score. They needed one. That's it. They needed one goal to come back. They got it from Ryan O'Reilly and then one in overtime. They needed three. Three goals. And they got it in a 6-minute and 20-second span. It was kind of garbage time. It was time. just boom, boom, boom. Like, that yeah. game was over. I mean, I don't know about over. you, but 10 minutes left in that game, I'm like, all right, that's over. That's it. The second goal, I was like, congrats on the moral victory, boys. Like, nice For one. me, it pretty. was the Kalorn goal. When Kalorn ringed it, you know, posted it, made it 4-1 at the end of the second period there, with like a minute three left. Yeah. I was like, that's it. That's another demoralizing goal at the end of a period where they just keep extending that lead. Like, that's that's it. Toronto... You know, Tampa Bay does not lose when they take leads into the second period. All season long, they were 28-1-2 when leading after the second period. That's now back-to-back games. Toronto's been able to mount a comeback and get the victory in overtime. And a three-goal comeback, that just that just doesn't happen. Like, what, yeah. what's what's the stat here? That was first like the time first Tampa time Tampa Bay has ever lost a playoff game where they held a three-goal lead in the third period. There you go. Wow. There you go. Wowie, wowie, wow. So, so everybody's in uncharted territory right now. You and I. We're in uncharted territory right now. Yeah. The Leafs. Also, not in uncharted territory because they've been up 3-1 in the series before. Back versus Montreal, the team looked a lot different, but the core characters were kind of the same. 
not kind of the same, exactly the same. Um, and Tampa's also in a very uncomfortable situation. Yeah. The only time they've been in this situation before is when they got swept by Columbus. Like, this is very uncharted territory from, for, for everyone involved right now. Yep. Yeah. So, like, what, what does that mean going forward? I, I have no idea. I, I, We're just sailing a sip, ship off into the dark. Like, we don't know we'll what this what looks like from here. The weird part is, is, like, just the fact that they are up 3-1, but it doesn't feel like they should be. But, yeah. but they are. And, and and I think that's where it's, okay, This something feels different, right? Like, there's so many of those this feels different moments that we've seen throughout this season. And, like, this is kind of what goes back to the exercising playoff demons checklist is all of these things is like, well, that's different because typically they're on the other side of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like typically they're the ones who are giving up the leads and they're the ones who are uh, blowing 3-1 leads in the final 10 minutes of a game. Go back to 2013. We all know what happened <laughs> in that collapse, right? Yeah. Like it's almost as if everything is kind of in reverse and the world has kind of been flipped upside down a little bit. And to go back to the checklist, I think, you know, to go back to the 2013 collapse, it was 4-1 meant something so bad, so bad yeah. prior to 9:30 last night. And then 9.30 rolled around, and they actually came back and won that game. It was 4-1 Tampa. And they came back, and they tied the game, took it to OT, and won it. It was 4-1. has a different meaning today than it did yesterday. You're so right. You're so right. And, you know, like, people are – I saw Bruins fans this morning. I saw Bruins fans this morning coming out of the woodwork because they're just vibing so hard after their – just to remind Leafs fans, like, hey, it was an elimination game. No, I agree with on. that. I, I agree it. with that. It, it, it doesn't have the same meaning. I'll say Isn't that. It's funny it, that Bruins fans have the words work just to remind Leaf fans of that. Like, okay, we get it. <laughs> However, it is a reverse script, and I like the omen that it – it's just checking inverse. off. It's checking yeah. off things off this exercising playoff demons checklist, right? It was four one has haunted this team forever, forever. And this wasn't even the same iteration. Like that was team pass. That was Nazem, you know, JVR, Bozak. Like that was that team. This wasn't even the Mitch and Austin team. But it's legitimately been nine years since then, ten years since then, and it still haunts Leafs Nation. Well, last night it was their turn to flip the script. It was 4-1 Tampa, and they came back and they got that. So, check off the list. There's one more thing, one more thing that they need to check off this list, and it's the most important thing that they need to check off this list. Can they show that they actually have the killer instinct? I think it's been great the last couple of games that they've come back and they've gotten the, 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 you know, they've tied the game, took it to overtime, and they put them away, but can they really put them away? Like we said, 10 straight opportunities to advance into the second round, and they've failed to do so. Yeah. They've failed to do so. Can they finally put them away and close the series? That will be the final check off the playoff demons checklist. Can they show that they have that killer instinct and get it done? And it remains to be seen, A.B., and, and that's Find what we'll have Thursday. to marinate on for the next couple of days until Thursday when they come back home for Game 5 with their first opportunity to close the series for, for the first time in 20 years, A.B., since 2004. Yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly weird that the Leafs are in this It's weird, this okay? Can we address that? Like, when they, so we're, we're doing this far down playoff long, so we're filming a lot of our days. Yeah. I was at the square last night. Uh, everyone was hyped there. The, the wild range of emotions was very evident. And you know what? The sun kind of came out for the folks in Maple Leaf Square, too. It was such a garbaggio day yesterday, and then it ended up actually being pretty warm down there. But there is definitely a sense of like, everyone was elated when they got the goal to tie it and got the goal to win it, of course. But didn't you also sense like a bit of, I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't even know how to act in this scenario because 
the Leafs have never really been here before. We're we're also used to being kind of on, on the, the other side. side of it. Yeah. Like Joe Bowen's call kind of said it all to me. Like, I don't know how they did that. There yeah. is genuinely a sense of excitement, but a sense of well, it's, uneasiness and maybe a bit of confusion well, in the Leafs station it, it, right it's now. It's just because like they played not that they, they they didn't play well through the first fifty minutes of that game. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. Like they just were not a good team. They they really struggled to break into the zone, and you know they had allowed four goals uh, against through the first couple of periods. They were not the better team. They were severely outplayed by Tampa Bay. But then the final ten period, ten minutes of the of the game, they flipped some sort of switch that we did not know was in them. Yeah, like we haven't seen it, but they flipped the switch, and Austin Matthews in particular. Flips that switch and gets it going. Scores once, scores twice. Next thing you know, Morgan Riley's putting one in from the point. Shiner. And going it's the Shiner. How tough does Morgan Riley look right now? He deserves all the credit in the world. The guys, he, look, he looks like a nail. He's playing like a weapon. Morgan Riley and Alex Kerfoot have been dogged on a lot in this market because of the seasons that they have. And, and I would say fairly. Like, yep. I think it's been fair that the, you know, they have not played up to the standard that not only we have for them, but that they, they have for themselves. They've talked about it themselves. It's nothing that, that you know, I'm overstepping by saying that. But the way that Riley's really put it together in this last three games here and, and has taken this team to another level, the way that Alex Kerfoot came up big with that with that game-winning goal in overtime last night, biggest goal, I would say, of his career. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you just got to gotta love it for those guys. And, and Leafs Nation, you know, have a lot of apologizing today. For uh, for the the words that have come out about those two over the course of the last twelve months, but yeah. you know, last night they came up huge. Two for this specifically team. maligned players. You're yeah. right. Morgan Riley, longest tenured Leaf. We we sang his praises yesterday, but Alex Kerfoot too, a guy who plugs a lot of holes for this team. Whenever Sheldon Keefe needs a hole plugged, and you know what? He's had some playoff disappointments. He also seems to score a big goal every postseason as well. So it was nice to see him enjoy that moment. We're just missing a Justin Hall overtime winner to complete kind of the trifecta. Hey man, it was just, Justin Hall who kind of put the puck on net and, and You're right. like Justin Hall shooting too. No, it wasn't. Hey, we it, was, get into. it was just more of like a, a trifecta. I know, I know, I, yeah, I, I know what you mean, but we do <laughs> got to get to something that Derek Lalonde was talking about, former Tampa Bay coach. We'll talk about that in a little bit and how maybe they, they found the book on Vasilevsky. I think it was a really interesting comment. We'll dig into that a little bit, maybe with uh, Darren Dreger is going to join us on the other side. Christopher Stieg also going to join us as well as Cheryl Pounder in the 1 o'clock hour. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Teixeira. You listen to Lease Lunch here on TSN 1050. Obviously, I'm very, I'm very hopeful that we look at it as a sign, a positive sign of, A, the spirit of our team, what we're capable of, what we can overcome, um, and just that it feels different. Lease Busters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie, a piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit LeaseBusters.com. That was head coach Sheldon Keefe. The Leafs stayed in Tampa last night. Day off from team activities today. Uh, he spoke a little earlier this morning. They'll be back at practice tomorrow. But it feels a little different. The spirit of the team feels a little bit different. And let's bring in the spirit of the team at TSN, our TSN hockey insider, Darren Dreger. How are you, Dregs? Yeah, I'm doing okay. How are you guys? We're we're great. You know what? We're great, but we're admittedly feeling a little bit confused and great at the same time. <laughs> Leafs have never oh. really been in this spot before. It was almost a a feeling of it was a feeling of elation and shock when they came all the way back and tied it. Uh, but you heard Sheldon Keefe there. He says it has a bit of a different feeling to it this year. I know this is a bit of yeah. a general question, but do you kind of have the same aura? Uh, feel the same aura about the Leafs right now? 
Uh, yes, but I didn't last night. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not jumping on the bandwagon here by any stretch of the imagination. I, I know James and Pooley and I were having this conversation. It's 4-1 third period. And, you know, I just blanket said, uh, hey, there's no way Tampa Bay is going to gag on a three-goal lead in third period at this point. <laughs> you know, then you get to, what, 10-19 left in the third period, um, Matthew scores the wrister on a real nice play by Nylander and Meyer, and you're like, okay, well, it's going to be a fun conclusion. Still didn't think that, you know, Tampa Bay was going to, to give up the three-goal lead. Then comes the power play and an all-world deflection by Austin Matthews, and it's 4-3, and you're like, okay, wait a second. Um, mostly because of the principal pieces in play from Toronto's standpoint here, right? It was like Matthews decided, uh, I'm going to take this game over. You know, we have time here. We've got half a period. Let's just chip away and get this done. And they did that. And he obviously couldn't do it alone. You know, Marner had a tough start to the hockey game. That's not the conclusion. Nylander takes that ridiculous penalty, which Tampa Lightning scored on. Again, a strong finish. And Morgan Riley is just kind of unfolding as one of the top playoff stories in this opening round. So, yeah, you have to believe now because they proved that they're capable of digging themselves out of a hole. And uh, maybe that's just a, a sign of maturity. Now let's see how they drop the puck, though, in the next game on Thursday yeah. because they've got to learn to start on time. I know that's cliche, but Tampa Bay's not given up by any stretch of the imagination. The Toronto starts the way they finished with that sort of pressure, that sort of commitment then they'll win the game and they'll win the series. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they really, it's night and day. You look at the first 50 compared to that final yeah. 10 minutes and how much they really controlled things even into overtime. It was, they they came out with an all-out attack and said, screw it, we're going to try and win this thing. And, and obviously they they did. That being said, though, Dregs, I mean, to your point, three to the four games, I think guy test and analytics would tell you that Tampa Bay's been the better team outside of, yeah. I guess, game two where Toronto came out, again, with a hot start and then built upon it. Like, would you look at that as a positive or, or a negative thing? Like, they're winning, but they haven't looked good doing it. Like, is the sustainability become a concern? Can you afford to play this way? Eventually, you think Tampa's going to, you know, buckle down and, and not let them get back into it. Right. And, and honestly, Mike, that's what I expected um, last night. You know, and I, you know, it, it's surprising to me that a team at that level of experience, the championships that they've won, um, just everything, the veteran savvy of the Tampa Lightning, that they would have let that game get away from them. You know, even when it's 4-3, like I said, Matthew scores back-to-back. You know, there, there should be enough commitment in that lineup, given everything that they've accomplished the last three, four, five seasons plus, to go, okay, fellas, smarten up. Like, let's, let's just get this done. Now, I, 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 I do believe that, you know, John Cooper was very honest in his postgame, right? Um, now, he looked at that deflection, and he did not want to hang Vasilevsky out. On a play like that, you can't blame the goalie. Again, that is just incredible hand-eye coordination. But there was opportunity to slow the roll there. You know, Morgan Riley drifts a floater from inside the blue line, similarly to the overtime winner that he scored, and somehow, some way, that, that finds a way through. Now, again, you had Tavares on a perfect screen. You know, there was traffic. It was set up beautifully. But normally, the Tampa Bay Lightning find a way to clear a path so that Vasilevsky can see and he can, he can make that save. But 
Guys, maybe what we're seeing here is the erosion uh, of a very good blue line over the last year plus, yeah. right? We, we know, you know Eric Chernak isn't available. So that's an enormous hole in that, in, in, in that uh, lineup. Um, you know, Victor Hedman's playing. I think he's been pretty good. He's not 100%. And then you have to lean on Ian Colemore, and you got to lean on Darren Radish, who, you know, wasn't an NHL player until recently. So the, the defense core of the Tampa Bay Lightning, which last year included uh, McDonough, isn't what it once was. So maybe Toronto has just found a way now to wear them down. But again, repeating myself, let's see how they start the next game. And, and that'll be very telling. If they play the first half of that hockey game the way they played the third, then I'm not sure Tampa Bay has enough left. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. That's kind of what I wanted to ask you about, Dregs. That win last night, who do you think it told us more about? Did it tell us more about Tampa and the fact that they might be out of gas here with yeah. how much hockey that they've played? Or does it tell you about, more about Toronto and, and how they've evolved? Yeah, for me, it's more about Toronto because I'm, I'm not ready to write the Tampa Bay Lightning off just yet. I, I'm not going to disrespect what they have accomplished and, you know, how good this organization is top to bottom. Um, but Toronto answered the call. They did. And, and, you know, my son reminded me earlier today, I mean, he's just a card-carrying Leafs fan. And, you know, he worked last night. He's on shift work. So he sent me a text before the start of the game, basically telling me, don't text me anything. I've shut off all my social media. I'm recording the hockey game and I'll watch it when I get home. Oh my so gosh. It, it was killing me post game, not to say, okay, well, watch it until the end. <laughs> you know, because I'm like, don't close up shop after 40. <laughs> yeah. He works till midnight. He's going to, it's going to be four one. He's going to be mad at the world and, and shut it off. Um, but this morning he, he comes alive and he's, you know, I said, you stayed till the bare end or you went to bed at four one. No, 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 no. He's like, dad, this group is different because they're never out of games. And I thought about that. And if that's true, and that's just not a card carrying leaf fan <laughs> acknowledging, uh, an incredible comeback last night, then maybe there's something to it. Right. But they still have to prove it. One game for me doesn't prove it, but it does provide some evidence. And, and look, you know, coming into the series, we talked about Austin Matthews maybe having to throw the team on his back for a game and maybe own the series. Well, he hasn't owned the series, but he, he did in a way throw the team on his back last night. So let's see what he's capable of now moving forward. And, you know, if they're fortunate enough to, to win the fourth game, to close the series, great. Uh, but then you've got the next challenge, and that's likely going to be the Boston Bruins. So there'll be yet uh, another opportunity for Matthews and company to prove their level of maturity. Uh, with Darren Dreger, TSN hockey analyst and uh, insider. Yeah, I mean, I, that was definitely the, the statement game that I think everyone's waited for for his entire career. Like, he just hasn't had that moment where it's like, okay, Austin put the team on his back and drove yeah. him to victory. Like, we've seen that from McDavid, McCarr, and, you know, you go down the list of all these terrific players that uh, that are around the league. I thought last night was a chance for him to do it. The other guy who hasn't quite done that yet, but who I believe, you know, can do it based on what we saw in the regular season is is Mitch Marner. Like, I, I know he's technically leading the NHL with 10 points so <laughs> far so through weird. the series. It is bizarre, but I think that even he's got another gear that he can get to, and if that happens, you got both these guys firing on all cylinders – I mean, that's that's good vibes for yeah. the Maple Leafs. I agree. I agree. 
we had a pack, and look, you know, we don't purposely watch series very closely and identify everything negative. It does feel that way in, in covering the sport the way we do from time to time um, because you celebrate the absolute highs, which, of course, is the comeback. And, you know, Matthew's doing what he did. Uh, Riley scoring the, the tying goal and then obviously Kerfoot on the deflection and get the overtime winner. We spent a lot of time on that. But we had packs built because of the way the game was trending when it was 4-1. Mm. That wasn't so pretty, right? It, it was a collection of uh, Mitch Marner turnovers. Um, it was the ridiculous you know, Nylander penalty that led to Tampa Bay opening the scoring. And there were other aspects to it. Um, but maybe that's all part of growing and developing. I mean, it's a high-pressure situation, and you're playing against a perennial Stanley Cup favorite team in the Tampa Bay Lightning in a market that doesn't use microphones, these megaphones. Like, these guys <laughs> hear about absolutely everything, and nine times out of ten, everything isn't good. It's bad. Um, so, for me, it's, it's again, it's, it's more about how they came together when it mattered most. Not what they did earlier in the game that led to some bad plays. You know, I mean, honestly, guys, you saw the game. You watched closely. That first period, were there any clean entries? No, that's what I was saying, Didn't get through. It was painful. Yeah. Like they, 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 they couldn't get the puck through the neutral zone, let alone into the offensive zone. And you're talking about world-class talent here. Now, you do have to give credit to you know, the structure of the lightning and all of that, but... Man, we've seen Mitch Meyer and company just disembowel defensive structure over the course of the season. So he found a way. However, whatever they said in that second period intermission must have been impactful. Must have been. I mean, O'Reilly talked about it in the postgame, just how positive and how calm everybody was. Nah, come on. There had to be more to it than that. There had to be more to it than that. I'm not saying that somebody blistered the walls and lit a fire under everybody. But, you know, maybe it was one, two, ten of them stood up and said, boys, we're not going out like this. We're not, like, come on, let's get playing. Let's, let's stop squeezing the sticks here. Let's play the way we can play. Let's not give the puck up after a split second. Let's make smart, executed plays. And they did that in the third. Well, and based on the postgame, it, it sounded like, not that they were giving up, you know, they, they – thought they were going to lose the game, but, you know, they figured, okay, let's at least have a strong finish to the game and not play the same way that we had. And, I mean, it ended up turning out to to be a great victory, obviously, with them coming back and mounting that. But I'm curious, you know, how much credit do you give Sheldon Keefe, you know, in the way that he's been able to to get a lot out of this group, I guess, and and switching things up with his in-game management? Like, what growth have you seen from him as a coach from last season to this season, the postseason? Well, yeah, I mean, he deserves some credit. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I think, Mike, you have to extend it to the coaching staff in general, right? Yeah, fair. Um, you know, going into that game, we talked about the vaunted penalty kill of, of the Toronto Maple Leafs, six for six, I think, after game one where they gave up four power play goals. You know, well, that's Dean Chanel who manages the, the penalty kill. One thing that I, I believe Sheldon does is he enlists his his – associate and his assistant coaches. He wants their feedback. I mean, in-game adjustments are just that. That's a big part of coaching. Um, at the end of it all, it is the head coach that makes the final decision. But, you know, he's not a mad scientist per se. He might have got feelings on what he's seeing from one player, and maybe that player connects with that player. You've got chemistry and where you go. 
uh, he did make some pretty unique changes in that second period, right? When he put Marner with, I think, was it Tavares and nine? Yeah. Um, and then he had uh, O'Reilly with Kerfoot and I think Achari yep. at one point. Like, and then uh, Achari ended up scoring a goal and brings a little bit of life into the game. So in that respect, Sheldon, the coaching staff, 100% deserve credit. And I'll tell you what, like he's not coddling Matthew Nyes, but he is giving Matthew Nyes slack in the rope, right? And this kid is a gamer. He's physically unafraid, and that's so key. As, as Sheldon Keefe acknowledged in the regular season at the end, he handled the pace as soon as he jumped from college hockey into the NHL. That wasn't an issue. So it's the other subtle things, right? But how many times do we see him now drive the net or make plays? Or last night, save a goal. Yeah. Like, Anthony Sorelli was there to tap that thing an inch and a half over the line, if not for Matthew Nyes, yeah. who is showing, you know, hockey IQ and defensive responsibility. This kid is really, really good. So the fact that Sheldon isn't afraid to throw him out there in big situations, third period, overtime, all of that, that's a coach connecting with a young player and a young player feeding off the leadership of Ryan O'Reilly and others. Yeah, that's a great point about how O'Reilly's kind of taken him under his wing. And yeah. for all the calming of the masses we did about Matthew Nyes, well, like, he's it, exceeded expectations. It's funny because, yeah. like, yeah. admittedly, Dregs, I wasn't so sure about seeing Nyes on a third line just because when I look at the lineup, I'm like, well, you want O'Reilly to checking line? Do you really get a match up Matthew Nyes and deploy him defensively. I wasn't sure how it was going to work out. And then you see a play like last night, and you're like, okay, I'm an idiot. I don't know anything. Clearly this guy is defensively <laughs> yeah. responsible. Got his head on a swivel. And, yeah, that was that was such a, a big play last night. And, you know, with that, Sheldon Keefe was asked today in his presser, like, is Nyes going to be in the lineup going forward? And he said, absolutely. Basically, yeah, he's not coming not. out. Well, because now the, the question actually has to be answered is, what do you do with Michael Bunting, right? And, I think I feel comfortable saying that Matthew Nyes is not really in the question for if you want to get Bunting in the lineup, he's the one no. coming out. It's probably someone a little lower in the lineup. But, you know, what do you think Sheldon Keefe does with this difficult decision? Like, how do you think that plays out? Three straight wins, a couple of big comeback victories. Uh, you think Michael Bunting's in game five? I don't. I don't. Um, you know, I mean, why would you mess with a winning lineup, especially the way they battled back? and overcame the adversity. And that's too bad for Michael Bunning. I like him as a player. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's some things that he's got to work on and address, of course. That's common sense, given the fact that he's been parked by suspension for three straight games. Um, but maybe he needs to earn the trust of, of the coaching staff, um, less his teammates. I think that he's, um, you know, I mean, he's got a good place inside that room. And, and with that group, but now you're, you're starting to, to pull at uh, tradition a little bit here. Uh, and, again, messing with uh, a winning lineup. You know, beyond that, mm, you know, I could make the case. Like, uh, I, I like the idea of Sam Lafferty's speed. I just don't see it. Yeah. I, don't, like, I don't see it consistently. You know, Aston Reese, mm, you know, again, yeah. there's, there's some physicality there. But does he do enough? Is he going to give you as much as bunting might on the mm -hmm. upside of offense? Probably not. But, you know, look, I, I don't subscribe to the belief, and there are many who do, that the officials going into the game with a big red circle uh, around bunting's name. 
I don't believe that for a second. I believe that he has earned a reputation, and that's on him to change that reputation. But the officials are willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. But his wires do touch, right? And we saw that, you know, as he was arguing his case after, you know, a suspendable hit. You know, I mean, he's yelling at the officials. He's yelling at them in the penalty box. He's yelling at them as he skates off into the Toronto Maple Leafs dress. Well, that's, I get the emotional moment, but that's not going to help your case yeah. moving forward. So if you're the Leafs, is part of your decision-making on whether you put him back into the lineup for the next game or keep him out twofold? One, why mess with a winning lineup? Two, what if he takes a bad penalty Yeah. or penalties? You know, like I... I don't know if you guys caught it. I did a thing in our pregame yesterday about the NHL is right at the line of having enough of these coaches yelling at the officials, right? And we saw Sheldon last night um, when the officials evened up uh, and, and it turned into a four-on-four situation. And we could all read lips. He'd read it beautifully. <laughs> he said, you made that up, Yeah. right? And he's yelling. Okay, well... He used his name, too. Yeah, I can tell you that... You know, know, the league is paying close attention to the Toronto series. Mm. Um, They're paying close attention to the Dallas-Minnesota series. You know, Dean Avison has has been, he's been very critical of the officiating as well. They're listening to the players. Here's what's going to happen, though. It's not going to be a warning that comes from, you know, hockey operations. It's going to be a substantial fine if a coach crosses the line and questions the integrity of the official publicly. Or, maybe worse, you're getting a bench minor, a two-minute penalty. Yeah. And imagine if that cost you the game or a series because you just couldn't keep your mouth shut. So there's a level of sensitivity that isn't unusual for the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It'll start to settle now now because we're later in the round and getting ready for round two. But that goes back to injecting Michael Bunting back into the series because he's going to be jacked. He is going to be fully tuned, and he's going to want to prove to everybody, maybe himself, that he is an impactful player. And without three games, you know, he's, he's got something to prove. Yeah, and you just know that Tampa, too. Like, they know that that guy could potentially be like a stick of dynamite ready to blow, just the emotion that's going to be coming over him, and they're going to go at him. Like, we saw that in game one where right from opening puck drop, you know, Victor yeah, Hedman yeah. and him just kind of sitting there face-to-face. You got Corey Perry getting in his grill. Like, they're going to go at him and bait him. And no doubt. if he gets into the series, when he gets into the series, it's definitely going to be uh, – he's going to have to really, really keep calm and, yeah. and carry on, as they say. Uh, really appreciate taking the time as always, uh, Dregs. We'll we'll chat again with you next week. Yeah, you guys got a couple of days of chewing on the series. Oh, we do. Oh, lots to chew on. on huh? We do. We yeah. do. I'm I'm curious who you think this benefits the the time off though. I, I feel like Tampa. Yeah, I, I do too because you know Braden Point can't be a hundred percent. Victor Hedman can't be a hundred percent. So you know, there's two guys and and they lean on their fourth line of Perry and Maroon and. Those guys don't play big minutes, but they play the game hard. So yeah. it, it it might benefit Tampa Bay to get more rest. Well, we'll see what happens come uh, come Thursday. But the start's going to be important, as you noted earlier in this uh, in this hit. Really appreciate it, Dregs. Enjoy the day. All right, guys. You too. There he goes, Darren Dreger, TSN Hockey Insider. Yeah, Michael Bunting. Like we were talking about this in the newsroom before we we came onto the show. Like I just don't know where you play him. 
Like for me, I'm I'm not I'm not even putting him. I can't put him on the fourth line. Like that's where everyone's sitting there. Matthew Nyes is not coming out for Michael Bunting, so it's either going to be Lafferty or Zach Aston Reese. But if you watch the way that Sheldon Keefe has deployed his fourth line, they're incredibly responsible defensively, and they get a lot of D zone draws against you know the top six of the the Tampa Bay Lightning. You want Michael Bunting playing that? I know. Playing against those guys in those matchups? Like, My only I, thing, A.B., is like, I, don't I don't know how good Lafferty's been defensively either. I, I just don't think it would be a downgrade. I, that's, I don't know. I, Lafferty hasn't done a whole lot, but he's at least somewhat like responsible. Like Offensively, he hasn't really given you a whole lot. He took the puck to the net on, on that one goal that Reese scored in Game 2. Mm-hmm. So offensively, you're not getting a whole lot from that group. They did score one goal, I guess, which is a positive. But I would rather go with, with Lafferty is someone who has a track record of success in his own zone as opposed to bunting where the track record, not so good. Yeah, you're right. So, But we'll see. You know, it's a tough decision. Obviously, Michael Bunting's been a big part of this team for two years. And one, one bad mistake that he makes in, in game one of the playoffs, does that, should that cost him his spot in the lineup? I, I don't know. It's, it's a tough decision that Sheldon Keefe has. But when you look, there's not a whole lot of holes on this roster, especially after winning three straight games. Like, if they make it through to round two, I, I think he does get back into the series for yeah. sure. Or, or even back game into the six. playoffs. If they lose game five, maybe he gets in for yep. game six, right? Like, why mess with a winning thing? You're right. It is tough to take anyone out of the lineup when they've won three in a row. Now, they haven't played amazing, though. Like, that's the other side of the no. argument. Like, they haven't played great. They haven't played so, even good for, like... Two-thirds of yeah, the game. Yeah, like four of the six periods. It's yeah, like waking up in the third period, and they, they, you know, they come back and they win the game, and it's like, oh, woo, they won. But it's like, ah, you know, the first you know, 50 minutes of both those games, ah, not so great. Okay, not so we're going to bring this up right now. I know we have to go to break, but have you, Jesse Pollock right now on Twitter is killing me. Why? Does he know the Jets have lost two games on home ice, and this man is just popping off about the Leafs? <laughs> Like last night, he's on the video board, and we'll get the audio on the other side. He's on the video board in Winnipeg yeah. right after, because the Jets have been having him out to every game. He's on the video board in Winnipeg, and he goes, I just saw the Leafs came back against the Lightning, but we know they'll find a way to choke that away. Like, the Jets just choked away two games on home ice, and homeboy's on the video board talking about the Leafs. Oh, Jesse. Jesse, we might have to get him on the show. We might have to chat with him at some point today. We'll see where he's at. He's in the peg. I know the service isn't great there from what we've heard, but we'll see if we can get him on. All right. So maybe Jesse Pollock at some point today, and uh, we'll definitely have Chris Versteeg, former NHLer, and uh, Cheryl Pounder will also join us in the 1 o'clock hour. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia to share. You listen to Lease Lunch here on TSN 1050. Okay, there it is. That was Jesse last night at the Jets game. What was that? He was wrong. He was. He said, wrong. "Am I right? No, you weren't. You were wrong." Well, I think he means more because that was after they won the game. I think so. I think it was more in the sense of the Leafs because really we're, we've got the positive spin on it today, and of course we do. The Leafs came all the way back from a four-one deficit to win a game in overtime, a game that they would have lost every single time in the past, and and they were almost ten and one when they're up to. 2-1 in a series. like It was almost damning last night, but they escaped it. Um, I think Jesse's more pointing to the fact that it's interesting the situation the Leafs are in because they have the opportunity to, you know, exercise the demons, get them all out of the house, or have the most heartbreaking collapse ever. <laughs> it's going to go one of two ways. Man, it's... Um, 
Uh, it like there's a there's a power ranking here of heartbreaking collapses. Like it was four one is up there. The three one loss to Montreal, obviously up three one the series, you collapse brutally there. And like when this year feels so different, the vibes are at an all time high. Like for some reason, the, against Montreal, the vibes weren't that high. It was still there's like, no fans. Right, so maybe that, that was got, it. Like blown up. Like it was so yeah, bad in that first out of the game. series. But like this year, it's like this feels like the year. If yep. it gets ripped from Leafs Nation, like this, this will this will sting. <laughs> I have bad news. You sting. just put that on a T for the guy on the phone right now. Steph has cold called Jesse Pollock. We have him on the line from Winnipeg, where apparently they do have cell phone service. Jesse, are you really there? I'm actually here. I, I've been battling with some service in the actual arena, though. I'm not going to lie, but I'm at my brother's house right now, so everything's good. What happened last night, buds? Oh, my goodness. Okay, look, I'm just going to break it down on a season Jets fan right now. I'm actually really, I'm actually really proud of our team because... All about those moral not, victories, eh? Well, 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 think about it. We're not, like, this is not a, really a, a playoff roster that we're pitching out right now because we're missing four but the key players on our team. I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses, but come on. Josh Morrissey, our best defenseman. Mark Shifley, who's one of our best forwards. Nikolai Ehlers, one of our best forwards. Cole Perfetti, supposed to be a great guy who'd have like a next level of, 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 of scoring for our team all out. And, and you have guys who, who should not be playing nearly as much as many minutes as they have been playing are playing tons of minutes and doing a great job the way because the fact that we're still even competing with Vegas right now says a lot about the compete of this team but come on it's like imagine if the Leafs are, are you know we're missing like Morgan Riley and like William Nylander and Mitch Marner and like yeah those know, guys another, are all really comparable Jeff. to the Jets best players <laughs> oh, 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 oh yeah <laughs> I mean they are but hey no no all, all I'm saying is if you look at Ehlers statistically almost a point per game guy this year Mark Shifley same same case and uh, Josh Morris, he was, like, our best defenseman, better than Morgan Riley. And, like, we're just – I don't know. It's, it's, it's just – it sucks because this could have been such a – I think that the Jets really could have handed it to Vegas if we were healthy. But, look, that's just the nature of the game. That's playoffs. And, and as much as we can use it as excuses, it's just, it's just part of the game, and it can happen to any team. Yeah, it's it's tough though to like go home, drop two in a row at home in the in the whiteout. But I, I do gotta know, you know, like we're we're here. We played the audio of you on the jumbotron at that game yesterday. Like, what was going through your head where you felt like you had to take a shot at the Leafs there? Well, I mean, me and my brother were keeping track of what was happening at the, uh, during the Leafs game, obviously. And then we see what happens, see how it ends, and I'm devastated. And I go downstairs to do because I was supposed to be on the jumbotron. And, and they, had no, they had no idea. I just told the person who was interviewing me before. I said, hey, like, do you think it's okay if I do that? And they said, yeah, I don't see why not. So, you know, I just, I, I just had to say because it's amazing how many people in Winnipeg also hate the Leafs. But it's also amazing how many people in Winnipeg love the Leafs. So It fired up the crowd, know, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it fired up the crowd. And, and everyone knows it's just in fun. Uh, uh, it's, just, it's all in good fun. Uh, I've been getting attacked pretty hard on Twitter, actually, which is a joke. Twitter Aww. can be a very Twitter, Twitter can be a violent place, uh, but but uh, no, it's all in fun and and as happy as I am for you, Leafs fans. I gotta say, it would actually be the funniest thing of all time if you lost three straight. But I don't think it's gonna happen because I just I don't really believe in Vasilevsky right now. Something's going on with him. He's looked brutal in the series. Like guy guy can't stop a beach ball right now. So. 
I don't know. I, I, I think I think the Leafs should actually have this one, as much as it pains me to say, but they'll be in for a great series with Boston. I think Boston's on a mission right now. I think Boston's going to go all the way, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I mean, there's a stat out there today that uh, the Leafs have lost 10 straight with a chance to close. Second most uh, in the NHL is an active streak. Chance to close out the series. They've lost 10 in a row. The Jets, first. They've lost 13 in a row. With that, we got to go, Jesse. Really appreciate it. Take the time to join us. It was very nice of you to uh, have a good one. Have a good flight home, really? Jesse. <laughs> and there he goes. <laughs> that was awesome. I mean, you're going to take shots at the Leafs. I think it's fair game. You take know what? Little, little he gave the Leafs the some flowers there. He yeah, did. That doesn't make up for last night's comment. No, on the yeah. jumbo board, we got a lot of a lot of tweets like rent free. That is pretty rent free that he said that. But a, a hilarious. That was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, Jesse. Yeah. No, 10 straight loss for the Leafs. Ah, it's tough. 13 for the Jets. Got to feel even worse. And I'm sure, uh, well, well, you let me know what Jesse says because we hang up on it pretty quick. <laughs> it sounded like he had a response, but uh, we'll never know exactly what it was. Uh, speaking of, the Leafs will try to end that streak 10 straight games without closing this Thursday. Game 5 of the Leafs and Lightning uh, at Scotiabank Arena. Be sure to listen to First Up tomorrow from 6 to 10 a.m. for your chance to win a pair of tickets to the game plus a John Tavares jersey. Hopefully you get a chance to watch him win around for the first time in 20 years. Listen to First Up tomorrow morning, 6 to 10 a.m. for your chance to do that. All right, second hour of Leafs Lunch coming up next.